The Lord then said to Noah, Go into the ark and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Genesis chapter 7, verse 1. In Genesis 12, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. In Judges 6, 14, The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? 1 Kings 18, After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. 1 Kings 19, the Lord said, Go out and stand on that mountain and the presence and in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Jesus in Mark 10 said, Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come, follow me. Jesus also said, Go and sin no more. Go, your faith has healed you. And in Mark 16, he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. You know, God, all throughout the Bible, has called his people to go, to make a move, to make a change, to go from one place of comfort and, and knowing to a place often un, un, towards the unknown and into challenging uh, places where God is calling them. Quite literally, for the people in Israel, they were always going. They were always on the move, right? They were going from tent to tent, and they would go from one place in the desert to the next, and they would have to rely on God and to know where they were supposed to go, and they'd have to rely on God for providence and sustenance because God was constantly calling them to go. And as his body, the body of Christ, our role is to go, to be the hands and to be the feet and to do the will of God who is the head of the church. Right? We're always, as Christians, meant to be on the go. The word go means to transfer from one location to another, to begin to make a move towards or to set out in a particular direction. It's kind of like the after-church lunch shuffle. I know what I'm talking about. After church, you go, so where are we going for lunch? Someone says, I don't know. Where do you want to go? Someone says, how about Chinese? No, I had Chinese last week. Go ask, go ask Bill, where does he want to go? Well, Bill wants Chinese. Oh, I don't want Chinese. And you go around and you're flopping around the, the whole fellowship. You're like, where are we going to go for lunch? And 15 minutes later, you end up at the Chinese place, right? <laughs> but it's the show. Where, where are we going to go? There's that question. So today, think about where it is that you need to go. Not for lunch. That's later, right? But where do you need to go? To go from one perspective to another. To go from one pattern of behavior to a different, healthier pattern of behavior. To go from where you are currently to where God wants you to be in Him. What needs to be different? Make a move in that direction. If God were with you after church, and instead of talking about where are we going to go for lunch, where would God be calling you to go? Let's think about that today as we pray get started. Father God, I am so excited to talk about your will for our lives, God, to talk about what it means to be in you, what it means to follow you, to know you, and to be your servants. God, I pray that your will can be made clear this morning for each and every one of us. God, that you know exactly 
the areas in our life where we are, where we should not be. And you know what it will take to get us to go, to make a move in the direction to which you are calling us. God, open our eyes, open our ears this morning to your word, to your examples in scripture, to be reminded that you are a God who's on the move and calling us to be on the move with you. In your son Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, Josiah, I think this mic is a little hot. You can uh, turn it down just a smidge. Amen. Still hot. It's all good. <laughs> all right. So uh, my name is James Rosenquist. Together with my wife, Elena, we lead the church here in Pittsburgh. And we're grateful to have you guys here at service with us. And before we talk about, you know, all the places that God wants us to go, I do need to make one thing clear. I'm not talking about going to a new place. <laughs> I'm not talking about moving. We've had enough people move in the last couple months. I was like, I can't do a lesson about going and not at least address that, right? Nobody go anywhere, all right? Deal? Cool. All right. <laughs> but it's not about going to a different place, but it's about going to a different place in our hearts, going to a, a different direction. And uh, I'm excited to, to talk about this because it, it, it's general on purpose. Because again, I, I don't think most of us are unaware of the changes that need to happen in our life. Right. We tend to be aware of it. I've talked to a handful of people this week in particular and said this comment multiple times. And that is, if you want things to be different in your life, you must do something different in your life. Right. And, and that's obvious, but it's hard for us to get, Right. And we can sit around and talk to people, I want this to be different. I wish things were this way or that way. Sometimes even in the church, right? We can talk a lot about the church. And we say the church like it's some foreign thing. But we are the church, right? If we want the church to be different, we must be different, right? But if we want things in our life to be different, we must do something different. And I don't know what it is in your life, but I believe that you do. Or that at least the Holy Spirit does. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will make it clear to you today. If you want things in your life to be different, you must do something different different. I was trying to think of a cool example of this. I thought about, okay, Steve Jobs, as he was starting off figuring it out, instead of making a computer faster or cheaper, his idea was, I'm going to make a, the computer easy to use, right? And that's, that kind of revolutionized the idea of, of the computer, and it's where we got Apple and things like that. And some people are like, I like my Android because it's more complicated. But if you're like me and not very technically savvy, you're grateful that we did something different. But a, a more inspiring example is actually my mom, who's here. Um, several years ago, almost a decade ago, um, my, my parents, they, they're always working at camp, but they were working and helping with camp uh, over outside of Philadelphia and trying to make camp great for everyone. But uh, one of the challenges was there was a number of, of special needs kids, and it would be challenging for those individuals to enjoy a week of camp in the same exact way. And so from that, if we want things to be different, we must do something different. And the idea of a special week of camp was born. And basically it's a week where there's a, a, a full week dedicated to things being different and being special for different children and different people and, and families with special need kids. And uh, they bring in different volunteers from all over to help and, and to stay in some, you know, Travis Tyree was one of those volunteers who went and helped. Matt Sanders went and helped with that at different times. And um, Amelie's gone and enjoyed camp, which is really cool. And Jerome has gone and enjoyed camp many times and loves the, uh, the zip line, right, Jerome? The zip line, yeah. <laughs> and uh, there's a great picture of him on the website doing the zip line. But that wouldn't happen without choosing to do something different, right? And so for us today, what needs to be different in your life? If you want things to be different, you must do something different. So we're going to look at two people today that God told to go, all right? The first one you might be able to guess is Jonah. All right, one of the most famous examples of God telling someone to go. Turn with me over to Jonah chapter 1. 
Our theme for the month of June is Go With God. And today we're talking all about go. We'll end talking a little bit more about the with God part. But we're just talking about go today. So Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 says this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa and he found a boat, a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went abroad, uh, aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. God was calling Jonah to make a move. He said, I have a plan for you. I have a plan for Nineveh. I want you to go to this great city. The word great doesn't mean, hey, it's awesome. It's great for tourism. It means it's uh, reputable. <laughs> it's, it, it has a, a, a known reputation. And its reputation was a bad place for a Jewish prophet to go. Right? They were not going to be receptive to his message. But God had a plan and he tells Jonah, I want you to go. And Jonah says, no. <laughs> he says, no, nope. I'm out of here. And he goes, in fact, what Jonah does is he goes in the exact opposite direction. It'd be one thing if, if I was like Jonah, I might sit there and be like, okay, maybe, ah, no, I'm just going to sit here and think about it for like seven years, go back and forth, should I go, should I not, just stay. But Jonah's like, I'm not taking any chances. He's like, I'm going to go. And, and where he went on the boat is the exact opposite direction of Nineveh. So he literally is like, if I... The more I go this way, the less likely I will to end up in Nineveh. Spoiler alert, he ends up in Nineveh. <laughs> but his mindset is, there's no way I'm going to do this. Never going to happen. That's his mentality. And he's making sure that. He's trying to control that. And, and it's, it's almost humorous when we read this. But when you think about it, God said, I have this vision. I want you to go. And Jonah completely rejected God's plan for Jonah's life. I don't think most of us say no in this way, right? I think we, we can laugh about this because it's so preposterous, right? One, the fact that he knew exactly what God wanted, that Jonah knew exactly what God wanted. It was a blatant request or command. And so there's this blatant rejection of that request or command. But I think for a lot of us, we read in the scriptures or we have conversations with other disciples and we know what we should be doing and God makes it clear what we should do. But in a more subtle way, we say no. In a more subtle way, we say, never going to happen. In a more subtle way, we, we sit back when God is calling us to go. How do we say no? We get really good at self-justifying, right? Well, this is what's going on in my life right now. I've got this going on. That's not really me. In fact, I really think the original Greek of the, the call to confess my sins really means that I should keep it to myself. We can kind of just find a way to self-justify what we want. I'm not knocking the original Greek, but we kind of just do that, right? We go find what we want to hear, so we, we justify our complacency. Sometimes we say no simply by just not changing. Hey, I know, I sit, I hear the same lessons, I hear the same call, I read my Bible, I know what I'm supposed to do. But it's been years and things don't look different. Nothing is really changing. Sometimes we make some effort, enough to maybe feel a little bit better about ourselves or get someone off our back, right? Enough to just quiet the voice, or the voices around us, the voice of God around us, so that uh, we don't actually have to commit to going in a new direction. Sometimes we double down on the stuff that's easy for us to say yes to, so as to take and distract us or others from what we're saying no to. 
Sometimes we blame others. Why would I go if that person's not going? Why would I obey God if the people around me aren't doing very good at obeying God? Why would I love others if I'm not feeling loved by other people? Right? We make it about what other people are doing as if God's command to us were conditioned on how we're receiving uh, love from others. Or as if God's uh, command for us was conditioned on others' obedience. Or we just look for excuses. I look for what's going on in our life. I suffer from something called special occasion syndrome. You ever heard of that? SOS? Just made it up. But uh, special occasion syndrome. What I like to do is look for a special occasion to celebrate something. Normally that can be pretty good, right? Oh, it's, it's cake day. As you guys know, I talked about this a while ago. It, the last Friday of every month in 2020 and 2021 was cake day. For no reason, we just wanted a cake. Most of my special occasions involve sweets, by the way. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Friday cinnamon roll day. We started, we did that at one point. I was doing that by myself. But uh, recently there's this, um, this cookie, new cookie place that opened up over in Monroeville called Crumble Cookies. Some of you guys know it. And it's a famous cookie place. It's dangerous because it's like $4 for a cookie. Maybe $4.50. It's expensive. And yeah, it is a big cookie. It's so big that they sell a cookie cutter to cut it into to quadrants with it. I'm like, that's a big cookie. How big is it? It's so big that you have... No, I'm just kidding. So, <laughs> it's a big cookie. I've, I've had it once. But for the last, I think, two weeks, <laughs> Elena's been like, so what should we do today? <laughs> and I'm like, well, maybe we should take the kids to, uh, you know, Anna just finished preschool. We should go celebrate at Crumble Cookies. <laughs> She's like, I was like, it's Anna's birthday. It's the day after Anna's birthday. Let's go to Crumble Cookies. Let's go here. It's like the first Tuesday of June. Let's go to, you know, Crumble Cookies. Um, but I, I'm looking for a special excuse. And that, that can be good in everyday situations. But the opposite happens for me. That when I'm not doing the stuff I should be doing, I'm looking for a special occasion or special reason to let myself off the hook. Yeah. Does that make sense? So I'll, I'll give you an example. For this past week, there's been some responsibilities that I've had that I should have, have done, but I just didn't do it. And it kind of caught up to me at the end of the week, and I was like, man, I really should have done this stuff. And you know what I did? Okay, what's a good excuse of why I didn't do this? Not just for others, but even for myself. I was like, okay, well, is it this or that? I'm looking for a special occasion to kind of let myself off the hook. Instead of just being honest, and I was just kind of quiet about it, and I said, I just wasn't being disciplined. That's it. Yeah, but this and that, and there's a special occasion, and this thing happened, and Anna's birthday, and the day after her birthday, and the first Tuesday. No, no I just, I wasn't being disciplined. And so sometimes we say no by looking for an excuse or a good reason to say no to God. And we look and we get really creative with coming up with good reasons to say no to God. And God is sitting there saying, have I not sent you? It's me. I know. I know all the excuses in the book. I, there's, there's tons of excuses in the Bible. Because it, no, it's me. I'm the one sending you. And so we can get creative with our resistance to God's will. But we have to be honest with what we're really saying to God when we say no. When we choose not to obey or listen to his instructions this is what we're really saying. I hear you, but I think you're wrong. I think where I am is where I should be. Yeah, you're the creator of the universe, but you got this one wrong. It's okay, God. It happens. It happens to the best of us. But I just know what's best for me. And even though you knit me in my mother's womb and set the time and places in history for me to dwell, I will not go where you're calling me to go or deal with what you're calling me to deal with. Why? To be honest, I just don't trust you. 
What have you done for me lately, oh God? The answer is no, but I, I still love you. I don't want to say that to God. I don't want us to say that to God. We've got to be real. When we're, when we're resisting the direction God is pulling us in, we've got to be real with what it is that we're saying to God. You know, in this story, something that's cool and challenging is that God doesn't stop calling Jonah. Right? He goes after him. You know the story of the fish? It's up there. By the way, it's a pretty funny picture. It looks kind of like Jonah saying, okay, enough. <laughs> like, just leave me alone, all right? <laughs> I'm good. Maybe he's saying bye or thank you. I'm not quite sure what's going on there, but <laughs> I thought it was a funny picture. But God continues to pursue Jonah. And when we are in the habit of saying no to the direction to which God is calling us toward, he's going to keep calling us even if we're saying no. But what happens for us is we get good at turning down the volume. And so if it's not clear what should be different in your life, if you're not really sure, if it feels like God isn't really calling you to go somewhere, it's possible that you've gotten pretty good at drowning out the voice of God and, and, and ignoring what it is that he's calling you to do. But luckily, as much as there are some bad examples in scriptures of what not to do, we have some great examples too, amen? So turn with me over to Exodus chapter 3. Let's take a look at Moses. What I like about Moses is he wasn't just, yeah, sure, no problem. He's going to wrestle a little bit with God here. Moses, at this point in his life, we don't always realize, Moses is 80 years old in this story. That wasn't in the Prince of Egypt, right? <laughs> He's pretty young in that movie. But Moses is, is 80 years old. He's uh, spent 40 years in Egypt being trained up. And then he ran away and spent 40 years in the desert. He ended up getting married. Life is relatively good for Moses at this point. He may be even thinking, you know what, I'm on the downswing. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Just going to retire easy, enjoy my lambs, enjoy living out here in the desert. But God has other plans. And God calls him to something else. In Exodus 3 verse 1, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the, the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of all these people. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. We'll stop there. So God is calling Moses. 
He's saying, I have heard the suffering of my people and I'm going to respond. And how am I going to do that? Through you. I'm calling you to go. To go to Pharaoh, to go to Egypt, to go and bring the Israelites home to be with me. And there's a back and forth. We're not going to read the whole thing, but the first answer is, well, who am I that I should do this? He goes, hey, I think you got the wrong guy. And they go back and forth a little bit. And he goes, okay, how will, how will I know? How will they know? You know, what if they don't listen to me? And God gives them some signs and has some miracles right there on the spot to show that this really is God calling him. And then Moses goes, you know what? I'm, I'm really not that good at talking. And, and God is like, just go. Who, who made your mouth? Like, why are we having this conversation? I know who you are. I'm, I'm the one calling you to go. I know the, the challenges before you, but I am calling you to go. And then eventually... Moses just goes, you know what, just please send someone else. There's two full chapters of back and forth, and at the end of it, Moses is like, you got the wrong guy. And then it says the Lord's anger burned against him. And, he, and then God says, you know what, okay, your, uh, your brother, he, he's a good speaker, right? He can do the talking, but I want you to do the leading. And Moses finally agrees, which is fascinating that God meets him in his weakness, right? He's like, okay, we'll come up with a new plan. Let's, let's get you on board. Let's, let's figure this out. And that, that's a whole fascinating concept altogether. But the important thing is that though Moses wrestled, he obeys. He chooses to go, and the rest is history. He ends up, God uses him to free the Israelites and uh, to go and start the nation of Israel, to go and, and give us the Levites, to give us all the, 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 the tribe of Judah and all, all the, um, the, the Israelites and all that they did to bring us the Savior, Jesus. This happens here. God engages. He meets him where he's at. Moses is resisting, but he isn't running. It's a little bit different there with Jonah. Jonah doesn't even have the conversation. Jonah says, nope, I'm out. Moses is willing to engage. Sometimes we think obeying God is just blind obedience. No, we have to wrestle. But we have to wrestle. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like we're supposed to wrestle. We're supposed to, to take that time to, to chew on things and to think about it, to get advice, to seek out scripture. And eventually we're meant to make sure that we obey God and go. You know, what's interesting here about, uh, about Moses is that he has to keep going. It's not like, okay, I want you to go to, Israel, or go to Egypt and, and free the Israelites. And, and Moses gets there. He's like, hey, Pharaoh, I'm taking the Israelites. And Pharaoh's like, bet. That's, that's uh, <laughs> Gen Z talk there for you. But you <laughs> Sorry. What's, what does that mean? <laughs> Pharaoh's like, hey, go. Go for it. Why don't you take the Israelites, right? And uh, no, that doesn't happen. Moses has to go back. And, and, uh, and Pharaoh says no. And then Moses has to go back. And Pharaoh says yes. And then he says no. And then he has to go back and back and back. And sometimes when it comes to following Christ, we think that when we said Jesus is Lord and, and chose to be a Christian, that was it. That that was our go. Okay, I responded. Go. Now I'm going to sit back and stay. But God keeps saying go. God keeps calling us to go. He doesn't stop calling us to go. He's always going to be with us. We're always going to be able to trust him in that. But he doesn't stop calling us to go. And we can't be surprised by that. Moses has to keep going and so do we. And where, did, where is it? Oh, I was going to say it, It's kind of like my, my son at times. When it's bath time or shower time, right? He's like, but I showered last week. <laughs> You're like, it doesn't matter that you shower. You still need to shower now. But I was, I was, you know, I read my Bible last month. Oh, what? No. We got to keep going and keep turning to God, right? Otherwise, it's a stinky situation. 
talking about showering and our spirituality, right? <laughs> but where is it that God calls us to go? I love this in the story. He calls us to go. He calls Moses to go to be an answer to prayer. That God's people were crying out. And God calls Moses to go and be the answer. When we choose not to go, we're, we're not being the answer to prayer that God has made us to be. God is calling us to go. There are people praying. There are people in this room praying for, for something, and God has chosen you to be the answer to that prayer. And when we choose to go, He uses us to be these answers to prayer all around this room, all around our city, literally all around the world. When we choose to go. You know, when I was a, uh, a teenager, I was really struggling with my faith, struggling if I really believed in God or not. And I'd go back and forth. And I went to camp for the summer, or for a week. And one of my counselors, you guys might remember Rocky Brott, who was an Art Institute grad here in Pittsburgh. He was one of my counselors. And for the first time ever, with talking with him, talking with a couple other counselors, I was open about all of my doubts. And I don't know if, if Rocky, who you guys know he's doing great things over there in India at this point. I don't know if he was like, yeah, I'm going to go to camp. Or, or he had to wrestle with this, this going, am I going to go here, whatever. But God ordained this moment for my prayers to be answered, to have somebody I could actually talk to about what was going on. You just never know how God is going to use you when you choose to serve him, when you choose to step out on faith. God is going to use you to be an answer to somebody else's prayer. Yeah. It's incredible. He's calling you to go. That's discipleship. He chooses to use us, and we get a front row seat to miracles. And we saw a miracle last week over at Ohio Pile. Who had a great time worshiping at Ohio Pile? It was so fun. We went camping. It was great. And we ended it like two hours later because parking was tricky. But we ended it with a baptism. And Quaison Jones got baptized. Let's show that video. There's no sound. But uh, here he is and the, the water's over there. And maybe hit the button one more time. There you go. Are you videoing or taking a picture? <laughs> Ignore that voice. <laughs> What's that? Hey Amen. Yeah. Clap it up. There he is. So Quaison was baptized into Christ last week. And he's, he works on Sundays. He's uh, been applying for a new job so he can come to church on Sundays, be praying for that for him. But uh, it was so encouraging celebrating that. But sitting in Quaison's Bible studies for, for Mario, for, uh, for Anthony, for Giovanni, we just got a front row seat to how God was answering his prayer to know him better and using us to, to see that and to witness that. And, and just amazing what God does through us, isn't it? But it takes a decision to go. God is calling you to go to do something, to make a change, to commit. It may be that the change to go might be go to bed earlier, <laughs> right? That might be all it is, right? Or, or go and, and be alone with God and pray or go and talk to somebody or go and deal with this. God is calling you to do something, to make a change, to commit, to get help, to reorient your schedule, to cut something out, to repent, to get serious about how you follow Jesus again or to be an answer to someone's prayer. We'll close with Matthew 28. We can't talk about going and not look at this scripture. It's just, you know, you have to make sure that we, we talk about Jesus' command for us to go and be his vessels in this world. Matthew 28, this is known as the Great Commission. Here in, uh, 
in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. God says, go, I'm sending you. Go to all the nations and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And just in case you might think, you know what, I think this scripture only applies to the apostles. Let's just do a little bit of logical breakdown, right? If he says, go teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, and one of the things that he commanded them is to go into all nations and teach others. So if they're going to teach others to, to obey, that means that we have to also obey the commission to go and teach others. Did you follow that? I should have had a little mind map there or something. But basically, this applies to us. We're meant to go and make disciples. Yeah. It's kind of sad to say this, but let's bring that back. Yeah. It shouldn't have left. Yeah. But it, it hasn't left, hopefully, our hearts. Let's be people who make disciples. That's not the minister's job. That's not this person's job or that person or the elder. We're all called to make disciples because we're all called to follow Jesus. Right. Let's get in the habit of, of this mindset of God is calling me to go. Go talk to that person. Go have that conversation. Go pray about this situation. Go teach others to do the same. This is for us, to go and make disciples. So this kind of introduces our series, uh, our Go With God series. It's kind of hard to see there, but we have three upcoming lessons that cover the basics of what it means to be a Christian. And what's cool about this series is it serves two functions. This is a reminder, prayerfully for us in this room, a reminder of what it means to follow Jesus. But it also serves as a great thing to invite your friends to because we're covering just the, the basics of following Jesus, right? Authentic discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple? Why is that different than just being a quote-unquote Christian? What does it mean to experience biblical salvation? What does the Bible say about salvation? You can look on YouTube and find a thousand different answers to this question. But what does the Bible actually say? That's what we're going to talk about uh, there actually on Father's Day. And then uh, that's a little hint. Father's Day is coming up. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. In case you forget. I, I sometimes forget. I need that. And then lastly there, we're going to be talking about kingdom life. What does it mean to live in the kingdom? Once we become Christians, once we keep going, what is it like to live in the kingdom? To love our neighbor as ourselves, to, to be part of the church community. So we're going to cover those things. Again, that's for us. But it's also share the news. Invite your friends. Uh, my hope is next uh, Sunday, now that I say it, I'm a little more committed. But my hope next Sunday is to have some Rita's outside and uh, to enjoy the, the nice weather. Keyword is outside. I'm just announcing now it's got to stay outside. That's a week from now, a week uh, ahead of the announcement there. But this is our series. I'm really excited about it because it's not just about going. It's about going with God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the reason it's called Go With God is because it's a journey. And it's not a journey to God. It's a journey with God. It's not a journey to God. It's a journey with God. You know, God never calls us to go without the promise of being with us. Look at the disciples. What does he say at the end? Surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. God doesn't call us to a place where he is not. For Moses, Moses says, hey, I, I'm not your guy. Why me? Why me? And God doesn't answer. He's not like, well, you got this going and that going. He grew up in Egypt. All the answers that we would get, what does God say? I will be with you. Yes. What more do you need? I will be with you. My favorite uh, example of this is, is Peter walking on water. You know, Jesus walked on water, but so did Peter. Jesus was walking on water late at night, and the disciples were in the boat, and they saw him walking by. 
And they said, is it a ghost? And instead, Jesus cries out, do not fear, it's me. It is I, do not fear. And Peter says something preposterous. He goes, well, if it's you, tell me to come out on the water. Now, that's not a great indicator for something, right? It's kind of like back in the day, I went to Blockbuster, and I was like, oh, I don't have my Blockbuster card, but I can give you my zip code. The guy looked at me like I was crazy, because everyone at that Blockbuster had the same zip code. There was nothing distinguishing about that. Some of you are like, what is Blockbuster? That's okay. But um, for, for Peter to ask Jesus, hey, tell me to come out. That's how I know it really is you. It doesn't make sense, because anybody walking on water at that time could say that. Well, come on out. You know, why don't you try? But for Peter... The number one distinguishing fact about who Jesus is, is that Jesus would say, I want you to come out here and be with me. Of all the things to distinguish who it was on the water, Peter knew the only person that would call me into a ridiculous, impossible task to be with him would be Jesus. That's, that's the God we worship. A God who says, go, but go with me. Come with me. Come and see. Come and experience what I have to offer. We're about to sing a song uh, called Oceans. And it's a, it's a hard song, so bear with us as we sing. We've never sung it here before, but uh, per special request, I want to I share the, uh, the words of the bridge, which we'll get to and sing together. The words are, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Let's stand and sing this song together and choose to go with God. Amen.